What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Who Dat? Who Dat? Who Dat? Who Dat? Who Dat? Powered by Overtime Media. What is up, Who Dat Nation? Welcome into another off-season edition here at the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I am your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Galata. And then also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at the Who Dat Dis. We have another packed episode in store for you guys today, as we will be breaking down another position, and we're going to be doing the interior offensive line. So that means we'll be talking about Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, Andrews Pete, and a lot of other players It will be really, really fun. If you don't know um, about our position breakdowns, we basically go player by player, kind of talk about their situation, um, what they're going to bring to the Saints team in 2020. And then after we do that, we basically conclude about what's, you know, what's the grade of the group. We're going to analyze the group as a whole. And if they need to add anybody, if the group's really good as is, and kind of give our um, projections here for next season. But first, I do want to get into some national news here and some current events and kind of how um, that pertains here to the Saints with the uh, tragic death of George Floyd. So the Saints did release a statement, more specifically, uh, Saints owner Gail Benson released a statement. And um, I'm just going to give you a few paraphrasing spots that I thought uh, were very, very impactful and just give you my few opinions on it. Definitely won't be talking about it um, for a long time. But I mean, again, I do want to just touch upon it. There are obviously a lot more people way more qualified than me to be talking about this. So I'll definitely leave that to them. But I did want to say what the Saints said and basically um, how that pertains um, to the situation here. So this is what Gail Benson said. As she said, there are no written words nor the timing of those words that can properly honor the life of George Floyd. We stand against police brutality in any form. Statements are words. Unified action towards a solution is what needs to come from this now. And then she goes on to say that um, she's been working closely with many players of both the Saints and Pelicans, including Demario Davis, on some social justice reform projects. And that just, to me, shows that she's not just saying this and she's not just um, you know, donating money. She's not just doing that to just check off boxes or just do it to you know make sure her public image is up. So I think she really cares about this and really trying to make the world a better place as she's you know not only doing it herself, she's working with some Saints players and some Saints players that are leaders in the community like Demario Davis to incite some change here. And I do think that's just amazing that what she's able to do, and that she's also supporting her players. So many owners don't support their players in this way. As she she knows, it's just a community, and it's a community effort. And um, these are the ways that we're going to you know incite change, bring people together. And that's really what needs to come of this issue. And I just love that she's supporting what Demario Davis is doing. And, you know, again, when you're able to have that really good relationship between owner and player, it's just really great um, for an environment for the you know the team as a whole so I do think that is really great and that's really um all I want to say on this situation here as again there are a lot more people that know a lot more um than me that have a you know a definitely more um, insightful opinion than I do on this issue so I'm going to leave it to them and uh for that for sure but I do want to say one thing is you know right now we're in a time not only just in the past week but really these last few years in a time of really just 
you know, a divisiveness between, you know, politics and all that stuff. And I do think that there's one thing that could uh, bring us all together, and that is football. And again, the Houdat Nation more specifically. I mean, the reason I think that I was so captivated um, with the Houdat Nation coming from, you know, New York, and obviously I could have picked any team. And why do I pick the Houdat Nation? And, you know, not only for Breeze and those high-flying offenses, it was just how close this community was tied with the team. Everyone really unified it around this team. It didn't matter, you know, anything about your social backgrounds or anything. It just mattered that you were a Saints fan and you were here to cheer the team on and uh, really love the team. And that was something I really loved about this team and why I became captivated with it. So I just wanted to, you know, just say that, remind people of that. And um, hopefully that once football season comes around, we could really unify around this Saints team that hopefully will go all the way here to the Super Bowl here. And I and I do think that's a good transition here to talk about our interior offensive line. And we're just going to jump right into that. So we're just going to go left to right here to start off with this interior online, starting with our left guard, Andrus Pete. Now, obviously, he is probably one of the most divisive players here on the Saints roster. He's 26 years old. But the Saints gave him a big contract. So again, when that happens, definitely some questions start to arise, especially when he's a guy that's had back-to-back years with uh, sub-50 PFF grades. And again, that's really only a part of it. And really, to me, when I look at Pete's up-and-down play, you see some extremely high highs and some low lows. And to me, he just has to kind of be more consistent this year. And hopefully him being healthy will help that. You know, he's been really just banged up over the last two years. Hopefully a healthy season this year will just really help him just focus on being consistent. Because really what I see from him is 50% is just average play. You know, you don't really hear from him and he's just kind of, you know, doing his job, but that's kind of what he's doing. Then he has 25% really, really good play where he's just integral to the play and He's really does a very good job. And then there's 25% of just awful play. So it's just really, really difficult to judge him. And again, you see some very high highs, you see some low lows, and that's just kind of that tug and pull that you have with him. And we've been talking about this this whole offseason about do you keep him? Do you keep Larry Walford? And the Saints ended up picking Pete because of Pete's really athletic ability, his ability to get out in space. He does all that so well that, again, that's going to bode um, in the right direction for the Saints as their offense has a lot of movement, has a lot of screens where you need your um, you know, guards and your rest of your offensive line to get out in space, and Pete does that very, very well. It's just the problem is he does have some just up-and-down play. Like, he will be um, on his backside sometimes, and then sometimes he's going to be, you know, bowling over guys in space. I mean, it's just the up-and-down tug-and-pull of his type of play, and you're hoping that he could just become more consistent and turn that 25% bad play to just more in that 50% average category. And I think that's what he's got to focus on here um, going into 2020, just shoring up some technical issues. And I think that will help him go a long way here. So for me, I think when you look at Pete and especially the Pete and Walford scenario, I think that it, it's yet to be seen. Like we don't know if Andrews Pete comes out and has a huge, great year this year, Pro Bowl, all pro season, then yeah, dropping Larry Walford and cutting Larry Walford, it's going to look like a pretty good move. If Andrews Pete's hurt again, up and down play, you know, you see defensive linemen just busting through holes, then you're going to see that move be questioned. And again, it's just kind of yet to be seen here. And obviously, we're still very, very um, young in this process. And um, it's only been about a few months, even since, you know, Pete got that big contract. I think we really got to at least see a season before we can even uh, talk about if that was a good move or not. But right now, I mean, that could be a potential question here for the Saints going into 2020 with Andrews Pete. Then 
when we move to center, we see kind of the direct replacement of Larry Walford with Cesar Ruiz. Ruiz was picked in the first round for the Saints at pick number 24. And I think he's a player that's going to be a plug-and-play type player here on the offensive line, which is obviously what you want to see. He's a player that's really, really good in space, so a lot like Andrews Pete. And he's a player that's really great against run blocking, which is, I think, great to see. And then he has had a little trouble pass blocking, but really, like, it's not a big issue in my opinion. And I think he'll just be just fine there in that position. And again, I think he's going to be an impact starter right away. I mean, you just look at him. He's a guy that's kind of has some season technique because he has made 31 starts for Michigan. And I think that's really, really big. He's shown his, you know, best play at center. So that's where I think he's going to play. He said he wants to play center. And I do think that he's going to be a guy that, you know, you see really take control of the Saints for a really long time. Saints offensive line, I really should say, for a long time. I think he's going to be a guy that's very, very intelligent, which I really like that the Saints got. The Saints got a lot of guys in this draft that are very, very intelligent. And I, I do think that's really big here as, um, you know, you obviously going to have a shortened off season. And I think a lot of these Saints players will be kind of just ready to contribute right away, these rookies here. But, um, you know, going back to Ruiz, I think you pair that intelligence with that great power, that great mobility, the good size, and he's going to project really, really well here in this Saints O-line. And again, that um, that run technique is perfect. Like His run block technique is perfect. That pass technique has some issues, but I do think that he can work with that. And it's like, it's not bad right now, but it's not you know, perfect. But I do think that he can you know come in, get better, and um, I do project him to be a really, really good starter here. Um, week one for the Saints. And again, it's going to be, we're going to see, is he going to be better than Wofford? Is he going to provide an upgrade for the Saints? Because I do think that right now the Saints feel like their interior offensive line got upgraded with replacing Wofford with Ruiz. And I and, and I do think that is um, kind of interesting because a lot of people would say they downgraded because Larry Wofford's a veteran. Larry Wofford's, you know, a really good player, three straight time pro bowler and like all that stuff. But the Saints feel like, look, we got another guy that can go out in space. Larry Wofford really couldn't go out in space. So we got a player, you know, that more fits our system. And that to me is really interesting that the Saints think that and we'll see if it's right, but that's definitely what they think in this offseason. They're coming out. They're thinking that their offensive line is better than where they were last year. And I do think that is very, very interesting. And then moving over to the starting right guard where we have Eric McCoy. And McCoy was just an amazing center last year, a plug and play guy, just took over that center role from Max Unger extremely well. And I think he's a player. Move him over to guard and I think he'd become even better because guards do have um, less responsibilities in centers and all that stuff. They don't have to obviously call out the protections and all that stuff. So he'll have even less roles here. So I, I do think you're going to see him kind of honed in on his technique, honed in on his craft. And I think he should be even better going into 2020. And I do think, you know, that he really has no issues uh, for this season. I mean, he's still obviously really young, 23 years old. And he had a 76.2 PFF grade this season as a center. I think you move over to guard and you may see him um, rise maybe into that 80s, which is an elite category. And I really think you could kind of see... Uh, McCoy rising there and, and and you may say oh you're wrong and you're just saying that because you're bandwagon I really don't think so I think that the Saints have put really a prime price here on their offensive line and it's going to come through and that's I, I think just such an amazing thing that they've done and it's, it's actually really really smart and drafting these offensive linemen will definitely help the Saints you know really protect their quarterback here for the long run and to me that's that, that's really the ticket and it's obviously uh very very big there and I think that right now you're looking at these three guys for the Saints. I think I'm most worried for Andrus Pete. But again, I think if Pete can take that next step, you will see an upgrade with the Saints over last year. If Pete 
stays the same or get worse, you may see them either you know, stay the same or get worse. I really think it's kind of on Andrews Peak, this group, because I do think that Ruiz will um, kind of offset uh, Walford's loss, but I do think it's not a Ruiz-Walford thing. It's a Pete-Walford thing that we have to look at, and I think that's something that is going to be interesting, because if the Saints kept Walford and let Pete walk, would you be more happy with the Saints having um, McCoy at left guard, um, Ruiz at center, and then Walford at right guard? Just want to pose that question. And if you say, yeah, I would feel more confident, confident with that, then the problem isn't Ruiz, it's it's Pete. And I, and I do think that's something that the Saints have to look at here, as that's kind of the real thing when you look at these three starters. And to me, it is very, very interesting when you look at it. But before we get into our reserves here, as we go deeper into the depth here for this interior offensive line, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Houdet Discussion Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back into the Houdat discussion, and now we are going to talk about here our reserves for the Saints when you look at the interior offensive line. So starting out here is kind of like the fourth player in this group. He was the player that came in when Pete got hurt, and uh, I thought he did a pretty good job, and that is Nick Easton. So Nick Easton, he originally signed with the Saints um, just a few days after Max Unger retired, and again, I do think that is very, very interesting here because you look at him and I thought he did a pretty good job in that um, six-man role. His PFF grade was low, just like Pete. It was under 50. But again, he was a guy that I think did really good in pass coverage and not so good in run in run um, coverage stopping and that type of stuff. And you didn't hear his name that much because, again, he wasn't giving up a ton of sacks. But again, he wasn't the best player. To me, he was just solid. And I think he could actually solid to be a solid starter. And a lot of people were asking him to start over Andrews Pete which I thought was very, very interesting as well. Like, when are they going to bring in Easton for Pete? Pete's struggling. Why don't we bring in Easton? And there were a lot of calls for that, and it never happened because, to me, this is my prognosis on Easton. He's kind of just an average player, and he probably has the ability to start, but he's just average. He's going to give you just you know, solid play, but it's, it's going to be just, you know, nothing amazing, nothing really bad. And then Pete's giving you this up-and-down play. So, yeah, you're going to hear more of the bad stuff with Pete, but... Pete also impacts positively as well, while Easton, not negative, but just not really, really positive as well. 
And again, you know, you're giving him $5.5 million. It is very, very interesting when looking at it. I do think that he's a great six-man type guy. I think he's a really good backup. I think he's a plug-and-play type guy if some if someone got hurt on this um, interior offensive line. But I do think that is very, very interesting to look at it. Also, he plays guard and center. I think that's big. And again, that's something I did want to say. I think he's um, just kind of average, and he's going to be a you know um, a good starter, a solid starter when need be. But again, he's not going to be like this out-of-this-world player here for the Saints. Now, our next guy here in depth is going to be Will Clapp. The LSU product started three games actually last year for the Saints, and he actually had a 60 PFF grade, which I thought was very interesting. He played over 300 snaps. As it seems like from 2018 to 2019, you did see an improvement, which I thought um, was very was very good here. And, and again, I think he's a guy that has to keep improving, has to um, keep getting better. And the only reason he's going to get better is by getting more snaps. So I do think that more snaps would help him, but obviously the Saints have more players at the roster. I do like that he's a young player, and again, he has to work on some things, but he has you know a pretty good upside as well. So again, that I think is is very very important. You know, he's a guy that does have pretty good technique, and I do think that he's a guy that can come up in here. You know, obviously he's been working on his technique a lot. I think it's gotten better. He could get out in space. I think that that would really bode well for him to make this roster. I do think that he's more of an interior kind of depth player. It's not going to be a starter, but again, I think he does offer you really good depth. And then when looking at it, I mean, he's definitely going to have to battle here with other guys that we're going to get into just a little bit here, like um, Cameron Tom and then some other players. But again, I I do think that he has a shot to make it. He has a real shot to make this roster maybe even better than Cameron Tom. You may say the only reason he made the roster last year was because Tom was hurt. So again, it's kind of a tug and pull. And I do think that these guys are going to have to battle for a roster spot. But again, um, we're kind of kind of see how it all works out for him. And then when you look at Cameron Tom, because that's kind of just a good way to segue here, he is 25 years old and um, he was on IR all last season, but did play in 11 games and actually had a start in 2018. So again, I think that's very, very big as well. Almost 200 snaps there. So I could see him also making that roster in that will clap spot that he kind of um, filled last year, but I, I think they're going to have to battle for it. And before we get into the UDFAs, I just do want to talk about um, just one more player that we didn't get to talk about in the tackle group. Um, he does play all over the O-line, which I think is great, but um, I probably would have put him with the tackles, but the Saints only signed him after we did the tackle group, and that is James Hurst. I think Hurst can come up in here. I think he's going to be more of the backup tackle for the Saints, but I do want to talk about how he can play all over. That's something I really like. He played back in 2018. He started all 16 games, had a 60 PFF grade. And I think you can compare him a lot to what Nick Easton can bring you. Um, but he could also play tackle. And that's kind of how I want to say it. I, I think he could be very, very good at times and be an admirable player. And sometimes, you know, you're just going to see a, you know, a dip from his play. But again, I don't think it's that, um, you know, that big. I think he could come up in here, start a few games for the Saints, and you won't see, you know, a big uh, dip. I kind of would compare him to when Jamon Bushrod came back in 2018. And kind of how he was a really good tack, a backup tackle. I think James Hurst can kind of play that same role, just in case you have one of our tackles go down an injury. And um, I do think that is uh, really, really important. As you know, you could just plug and play him there, and you don't have to move any other piece around the O line. So I think that's uh, very, very big. And then the Saints did have two undrafted free agents in this group, as they did fill their annual player from LSU. As it always seems like they just get a player like either in undrafted free agents or seventh round from LSU. And this year it was Adrian McGee. And he's a guy that just has a, a ton of power. Like, I mean, you're going to see him have some amazing blocks because he just has so much power. 
but he's definitely rough around the edges, like very rough around the edges. But I mean, that power, that strength is there, that competitiveness is there, that motor is there. But you're going to def- he's definitely going to have to work on getting out in space, his technique. He's going to basically have to work on all of that. And uh, we're going to have to see. I mean, look, he's definitely a project. And if you can work on that technique, the hand technique, the flexibility, the mobility, the feet technique, if you can work on all that, he could maybe become a starter. But again, he's, a, I think, a work in progress. And it's going to take him a few years to kind of hone that all in. I think he's a practice squad type player for the Saints. And then our uh, last undrafted free agent was um, Jordan Steckler. And again, I think he's, he's the type of guy that played guard, played tackle, he played all those positions. I think in the NFL, um, he's going to be, he, he did play tackle in college, but I think in the NFL, he's going to have to move more towards the guard position as, you know, he's a little smaller. But again, when you play all those different positions, you know, you definitely learn all those techniques. So he's going to be a player that's um, maybe a little, um, you know, physically challenged because just playing, um, you know, he played at a low, lower level of Division One with Northern Illinois. He could be a little physically challenged, but that technique's really going to help him um, when he transitions here to the NFL. So again, another practice squad guy that I think he's going to have to really just play against NFL talent and practice and all that stuff to get his play better. But again, he definitely has um, some, I would say, intrigue here for the Saints. I think he's going to go up against Calvin Throckmorton. And to see, to me, I think they're going to be kind of in a battle to see who makes it because they're both players that maybe are a little um, smaller physically, but ever know the technique very, very well. And I am going to give Throckmorton the edge because he played in a higher conference level, played in a Power 5 conference. At least he has that going for him, um, whereas Steckler did play at um, a low-level D1 with um, Northern Illinois. So that's just kind of what I think there. Overall, I do think that this um, interior offensive line group does have a ton of depth, and that's really great. And um, to me, when you have four starters there, in my opinion, that's just, I mean, great. I mean, the ability that they were able to cut Wofford that just shows how much depth they have. So, I mean, you have three, I think, solidified starters here, but I think you have a few guys that can plug and play and do a very good job, like the uh, Nick Eastons, or I think even James Hurst can move inside and play guard if need be. So I think that was very interesting. And, you know, to see that you could also have Will Clapp or Cameron Tom take that next step in their development, I think that would be very big. They're both going into their third year, so I do think that's important for them to take their next step. Maybe they can be plug and play starters for 2020, and I do think Looking at this group, it is uh, very, very interesting. And I do think that this interior O-line is extremely important. When we have Drew Brees, he's got to see over those um, linemen. And he can't when there's a lot of pressure in his face. What happens when that pressure is in his face? It's when the interior O-line gives up pressure. And that is the worst type of pressure for the Saints. And they really got to have a strong um, interior line here if they want some success here in 2020 and want to really have some deep success and go to the Super Bowl. And I, I do think that this group can bring them that. I, I think they could be an elite group. I wouldn't project them as an elite group right now. I think they are a solid group. I think you have two young players that you're hoping that um, could um, really be plug-and-play st- starters for the Saints. And for McCoy, continue to be a plug-and-play starter as you're moving him to a guard position. And then Ruiz to become a plug-and-play center. And you're kind of relying on that. You're hoping on that. And I, I do think that isn't like a big question mark. Like, I'm definitely confident in that. But there is some kind of tug and pull there. Wouldn't you want veterans there, especially with a, um, you know, a veteran team. It is very interesting. And then you have Pete, which is a whole question mark within his own self. And it's kind of that, that tug and pull between Walford and Pete, you know, which, which would have been the right move for the Saints to keep. I think the question has yet to be answered, but again, I I was on the Walford side. 
Um, I think you'd rather have the veteran type player, even though he can't get out in space, you'd rather have a guy that you know is solid, I think is above average at what he does. But the Saints were mad at him. They didn't like that he came out of shape in training camp last year. He couldn't get out in space that much. So the Saints went with the younger player and the player that has more mobility with Pete. And even though he's more up and down, he does a more upside than Wofford. And I do think that's interesting. And I definitely respect their decision more than even mine. Because obviously, Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis know a lot more than I do. I mean, I keep on saying that and I keep will saying that. But again, if you see Pete go out there and have a great year and really take the next step as a guard, you know, everyone can say you told me so. And um, again, that I think would be really big. And that would definitely prove Sean Payton right. If he doesn't have a big year and, you know, Walford does wherever he ends up, Walford has another Pro Bowl season and Pete ends up hurt again and up and down play. Well, then we're going to say that we probably should have kept Walford. And again, then it's going to be what could have been. But I do think it's kind of a tug, tug and pull here. And it's kind of time will tell to see um, how this decision will end up for the Saints. But I think with all that said, it is time to wrap up this podcast. If you like what we're doing here at the Houdat Discussion, definitely follow us on our various social media platforms, on Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. We did say um, all of the accounts earlier in the podcast. So definitely if you want news on the podcast, updates of when um, the schedules for the podcast and also um, opinions on the team and all that fun stuff, definitely check us out on social media. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts. That means iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, any of those sites. We are on there. So for these next few episodes, we are going to be continuing our um, positional breakdowns and um, basically covering any news. Obviously, the clowny news that is kind of um, hovering over our heads. Like, when is that going to resolve out? Um, as I, it seems like it's definitely legit. And it seems like the Saints definitely talked to him. And I think um, Nader was spot on with what he said. And now we're going to see if the Saints can finish a deal. And I definitely think we're going to get into that, especially if a deal goes down with him um, in the future. As if any news comes out, we'll be right here within an hour of when it drops. You'll see a podcast um, with the Saints signing Clowney or maybe Clowney signing with another team. We will definitely uh, be on you with that. And then also we have another film study coming out. It's going to be just with this podcast. So right as when this podcast drops, there will be a video dropping on YouTube. It's going to be about Janoris Jenkins and how he's really going to help the Saints in a lot of ways from the veteran play to his ball hawking abilities. All going to help the Saints, I think, in um, improving over Eli Apple and what they did last year on that secondary. So definitely check that out. But with all that said, I want to say thank you for listening. Run it back. And who dat?